The title of the message this morning is, is Generous Giving. Um, you know, and it really ought to have a subtitle. Who do you say God is? Generous Giving and Who Do You Say God Is? You know, I'm, I'm never cease to be amazed at, at the Word of God as, as I study it and, and meditate on it and, and kind of just chew on it and think about it, you know, as I go through the day. Um, you know, sometimes you think you have a concept of what God is, is trying to tell you and then, and then you have an aha moment and, and what you previously thought is maybe not what he was wanting you to to receive and, and to understand all along. You know, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it said, In the beginning, God. In, in the beginning was God. And then in Revelations, in Revelation, the, the last chapter and the last sentence says this, the grace, the goodness of God be with you all. Amen. And everything in between is, is God's will for us, God's plan for our life, that we need to study a, a lifetime and meditate a lifetime and, and dig in for a lifetime to understand who our God is and what he wants us to have, who, who he is to us and who we are to him. You know, in Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, and I, none, you don't have any of these verses of scripture up there. This is, this is new stuff, so don't, don't try to find it. Um, in, in Psalms 46, 10, it says, Be still, and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You know, I think there's times that we need to be still and just, just meditate on the Word of God and who He is and, and who we are in Him and, and, and what He's thinking about us right now. And in the very next chapter... In Psalms chapter 47, it says, Clap your hands and shout it to God with a voice of triumph. Does he want us to be quiet or does he want us to be loud? You know, I think he wants us to be both. You know, and, and I think sometimes, you know, when, when we think we ought to be quiet, he's saying, I want my people to be loud. You know, I, I, I remember the, the, the time when they were marching around the walls of, of Jericho. And, you know, they marched around several times and they were quiet. They didn't say a word. You know, they were, they were thousands of people walking around the Jericho. And, you know, I'm sure they're... Their sandals or their boots or whatever they had on was was making a noise, and and there might have been some kids a hollering every once in a while, but they were quiet. But then the last time they went around, 
you would have thought that, you know, they would have been quiet because they're trying to sneak up on Jericho. But no, God says, shout, and the walls came down. Shout, and the walls came down. So there's times when we need to be quiet before the Lord, and there's times that we need to shout with a voice of triumph, clap our hands, and have a big time. You know, I can look in, in Revelation, the angels are circling continually the throne of God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. You know, I'm sure that there's some quiet times in heaven, but there's a whole lot of shouting going on. Amen. Glory to God. And I'm sure that, that you know, Gary Collin this morning is, is, is doing some shouting. Amen. Glory to God. You want to be sure and keep the Collin family in, in your prayers. And, uh, you know, Gary's good this morning. Amen. Can we trust God to take care of us? That's the question this morning. Can we t- trust God to take care of us? In Hebrews chapter chapter 8, verse 6, it says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given the ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a better covenant with God based on better promises. That's who Jesus is this morning. He's our mediator. You know, that word mediator there means to be, he's a go-between. That he is a reconciler. And when we receive Jesus as our Lord, we associate ourselves with him And we are joined together with him. Amen. We're joined together with him. And he is the mediator between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant, which was, you know, the people were bound by laws and they had to, you know, do the law. And if they didn't, uh, you know, they were in a bad spot. You know, that's the reason they were thousands and thousands and thousands of animals killed every year for, for the, for, to get their sins forgiven so they could be back in the right place with God. But now that Jesus came, we don't have to do that. He was the perfect sacrifice. Sacrifices don't need to be made anymore because he made the ultimate sacrifice. And that's who our Father God is. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting with, with verse 4, it says, But God, so rich in mercy, he loved us so much. Just let that sink in just a little bit. God loves you so much. That even though we were dead because of, of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace. That you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead among the. 
along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's where we're at today. I want you to think about, I want to ask you a question. I just want you to think about this for just a little bit. What has God done for you this morning? What has God done for you? You know, I I praise him every day that he gives me air to breathe. You know, I can remember one time as a teenager, probably 15, 16 years old, we, we were loading a load of hay. We, we sold a lot of hay back then and, and we just finished out this load of hay and, and um, we'd got it all roped down and tied down and, and I was up on top, you know, and how you used to do it, you used to reach down and, and grab the rope and pull up and then the guys on the ground would cinch it down and then you'd pull it up again and, and you let go and they'd pull it down and, and we got it tight and and I was crawling down, and you know those those ropes were tight, and you know I had my gloves on, and, and coming down over the side of the of the truck, I lost the handle on the rope, and, and I fell, you know, from about you know the top of the load down down to the ground, and that was a long ways, and when I hit the ground, I was just it's like that, and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. And I did, you know, done everything that I could to get my breath. And it seemed like an eternity before I could get, get my breath. You, you, can, you can practice that right now. Just cut your air off. And, and try to breathe. You can't do it. And, you know, after a little while, you know, you, you begin to panic just a little bit. But I praise God so much for the air that I breathe. You know, and that may seem like a little thing, but boy, it was a big thing, you know, when I fell off the truck. You know, I I think of the time that that I fell underneath the combine and, and, you know, almost got run over. You know, from here to here, you know, I I look like a, a... a red grape. You know, I was bruised up, beat up. You know, I, I praise God when, you know, we got a phone call, you know, that said that our son had been run over. A pickup had run over his head, but he's okay. Hallelujah. That was the goodness of God. That's what God has done for us, for me. You know, brought him home. He was a little scared. But he said, Dad, you know, I know that the pickup ran over me because I, I could see it. You know, and, and we, you know, we didn't take him to the hospital. We were, we were pretty cautious that night. We woke him up every once in a while just to be sure that, you know, he was, he was okay. And, and we finally give in the next morning and, and took him to the emergency room. And, and the only thing that he had was just a little bitty bruise on his, on his earlobe. You know, that's what my God has done for me. 
you know, how has he protected you? You know, and I could tell story after story, you know, missing the curve on my go-kart going 65 mile an hour and running underneath a, a, a gravity flow wagon, you know, that had a metal bed and, and didn't get hurt. <laughs> you know, holy cow. You know, time after time after time, you know, Satan tried to take, take, take me out and he couldn't do it because God loved me. And, he, and, and I'm sure everybody here has stories that they could tell and God has done the same thing for you. Can we trust God to take care of us? You know, Genesis chapter 14, verse 19 says he is the possessor of, of heaven and earth. Do we see him as our healer? As our provider? As our strengthener, as it says in Isaiah 41.10? That's Max Forrester's favorite, favorite verse of scripture. Glory to God, he's, he's my strengthener. In John chapter 14, 16 through 20, it says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. This is what he's done for us. Glory to God. You know, this is a brag on God day today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we can't brag on God, then we need another dip. We need another dip in the blood of Jesus this morning. I will give you another comforter. The amplified version says a counselor. One that when you need somebody to talk to, he's always there. A helper. When, when you don't know what to do, he was all, he's always there to help you. He's an intercessor. He's your intercessor. He's the one that go, will go before you and, and plead your case. You know, that's what an intercessor does. He, he pleads your case. He's an advocate. He goes on your behalf. He's your strengthener. When you've got when you've done everything that you can do and you can't do anymore, he's the one that comes alongside you and strengthens you and give you, gives you the strength to make it through. And he's your standby. He's always there. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. In verse 17 of that scripture there, it says, he is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, welcome and take into its heart because it does not know him nor recognize him, but you know and recognize him for he lives with you and he will be in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Never leaves you, never forsakes you. He's always there. In verse 18, it says, he will not leave you as an orphan. He'll not leave you comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, or hope, helpless because he's coming back for you. In 
just a little while now and the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Never lose sight of who Jesus is. Never lose sight of who he is. You know, in in our Sunday school class that Nick was teaching this morning, was talking about perspective and how how we look at at the situations that we're going through and and you know the battle in our minds is for our minds perspective we can either see everything that's going wrong and not working out and and feel start feeling sorry for ourselves or we can look to Jesus the author and finish of our, our faith of our salvation glory to god he's the king of kings and lord of lords and 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 we're with him. Amen. Amen. Reminds me of a verse of scripture in Psalms 142 too. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? If it had not been for God on my side, where would I be? If we know that God will take care of us, we should not have any fear of giving to a God that loves us so much. If we're confident that God will take care of us, we ought to, with a happy anticipation, not fear giving to a God that loves us. Glory to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, you say, golly, Jim, you're reading a lot of scriptures this morning. Yes, I am. You know, if we didn't have the word of God in the scriptures, I wouldn't have anything to say. And we wouldn't have anything to stand on. We wouldn't have anything, anything to base our faith on if it wasn't for the word of God. You know, it'd probably be sufficient this morning if I just got up here and read you, you know, all the scriptures that God has put on my heart and we go home. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse, verses six and seven. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. On, on this side of the cross in the new covenant, we get to decide how much to give. Because Christ lives in in us, in me, and in you, you decide. How good do I believe that he is? How good is God? 
You know, ask, each one of us need to ask, that, ask ourselves that question. How good is my God? What, where are we at when, in, in depending on him? After the cross or in this new covenant, God removed the pressure to give. How good has God been to you? How good has he been? Has he been uh, a 5% good God? You know, 10% good God? Maybe a 15% good God? Or let's get, get wild here, maybe a 45% good God? Just how good has God been to you? How good is he? How good is he to you? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, it says, on the first day of each week, you should... Each put aside a portion of the money that you have earned. Don't wait until you get there or don't wait till you get to church. And then try to collect it all at once. You know, 90% of the time, I won't say all the time, but when Suzanne and I decide how much we're going to give and have the check wrote out or or whatever, before we get to church. We, we just don't do it as a second thought or just as a, a whim. But we sit down and, and you know, here, here's our 10% or, or whatever, 15% or 30% or, or 45% or, or God, here, is, here it all is because you've been so good to me this week. How good has God been this week to you? And that's, and that's what, that's what he's saying here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 or chapter uh, 16, verse 2. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you know, I, I think, you know, th- this was written 2,000 years ago approximately you know, 1,900 years ago. But it, it, it is so much for today. Right. It is so much for, for Oakton today. Right. It's so much for Jim Worth today. In verse 8, it says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches at Macedonia. Now, the church at Macedonia was, was a poor church. They, they, they were lacking. Macedonia at this time was, was, was a poverty-stricken area. It says in verse 2, they are being tested by many troubles. 
They're very poor. That, that, I looked up that word very, and that means profoundly. You know, they weren't just lacking a little bit. They were poor, or they were po folks. You know, they were po. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Hallelujah. Verse 3 says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. And verse 4, this is crazy. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers at Jerusalem. They begged, they begged us to give. Can you get this picture? God was so, so real and so big and had met needs that, that they had that it was so unbelievable that, that, that they, were, they were begging to give. God, I, would just, I just want to give. I want to give. I want to give. I want to give. Not because they had to, not because they were required to give, because, but they just wanted to give. They were so in love with Jesus, so set free, so released from, from all the oppression and, and stuff, stuff that they were dealing with, that they just wanted to give. Verse 5, it says, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. They, were put, they put action to their, to their faith. In verse 6, it said, so, so we urge Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and to encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. In verse 8, it says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he has become poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Verse 10. And here is my advice. This is Paul speaking to the Macedonian church. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give. And you were the first in to begin doing it. 
Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you do it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Okay, God's not asking you for what you don't have. He's asking you to give what you do have. Of course, I don't mean that you should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and can share with you in your need. In this way things will be equal as the scriptures say. Those who gather a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered little, only a little, had enough. Does verse 10 sound familiar? You know, over you know, over a year ago, Oakton started its 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 way forward in in looking at uh, changing changing direction. Okay, and and with that, there came some expense. Okay, and we were excited, and we voted. To 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 exit the the denomination that we were in, and, and we looked for another uh, avenue to go, another direction to go down, and we've chosen that. You know the, the the GMC. We were excited, but but there there's there's a price price to pay for that. And I guess my encouragement to us this morning is let's do not let go of the excitement that we had in the beginning and finish finish the process. That's right. That's good. Finish the process because of who our God is. God is more than able. That's right. Amen. Is, is God big enough to take care of us? Yes. My vote is yes. That's right. My vote is yes. I, I would encourage you to go home and and meditate on on this verse of scripture, Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses one through through fifteen. And I was reading it out of the NLT, and just meditate on that and, and contemplate and consider how good is your God. Remember what He's done for you. Glory to God. Yes. Remember what, what he's done for you. That's right. <laughs> when when um, this has been a long time ago, you know, I, I met Suzanne and, uh, you know, we, we dated, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it, it got to the point where I looked. I looked forward to every weekend. Glory to God. Went over. Went over to her house, and and you know, I and and I thought about it all week. 
thought about it all week and 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 when I got over there and and you know mom and dad of course set a curfew and uh you know and to honor them you know I was supposed to be home by midnight or just just a little bit after so I stayed as long as I could you know stayed as long as I could and you know back then I rode a motorcycle had had a Harley and uh you know, and it would run pretty good, and I'd stay as long as I could, and then I'd beat it home. And it was probably, you know, she lived west of Golden City there on one one twenty six by Huber's, and and I lived north of Lockwood about ten or twelve miles, and uh, I made a fast trip every weekend. Made a fast trip every weekend, and then when I got home, I couldn't wait till I. Could go back. Couldn't wait to to go back, you know. And that's the same relationship that we need to have with our church body and with our church friends. You know, can't wait to get here. Enjoy it while we're here, and can't wait till we get back. Glory to God. And and you know, part of that is 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 our giving. You know, when we, or when I finally decided that, that you know, maybe we, we might want to get married or something, you know, I, I was kind of slow. She, she's over there, what's he going to say now? But, you know, you know, I wanted to give, give the best that I could to her, you know, and at the time it wasn't much. But we went out and, and bought an engagement ring and, and wedding bands. And, you know, the, the, the diamond on it wasn't very big, but it was the best that I could do. And she loved it. You know, she loved it. You know, God is not asking you to do something that you can't do, but he's asking you to do everything that you can do. Amen. I was talking to Pastor Larry here before service and, and asked him if he'd had any, any sermons on, from John Wesley on giving. And, and he, he said, no. Uh, but he said, I might know where, where you can find some. And, and, and I was, as I was preparing for this this week, uh, I run across this from, from John Wesley. He wrote in 1786. He said, earn all you can, earn all you can, save all you can, be frugal with what you make, and then give all you can. Earn all you can, save all you can, and then give all you can. Praise team. In, in Mark chapter 12, verse 40, starting with verse 41, it says, And Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the crowds drop, drop in their money. You know, that would have been kind of intimidating. You know, Jesus sitting there, you know, watching, watching as everybody came by, dropping in and, and just... See, well, I wonder how much Joe put in today. 
or, or how much did Mac put in today or, or whoever. It says many rich, rich people put in large amounts. Then a widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him. And he's getting ready to teach them something here. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they give a teeny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. Jesus is still watching today. The widow was totally depending on God. You know, our gift is not meant to to manipulate God, but to honor and show our appreciation for what God has done, for what he is doing, and for what he's going to do. How big is your God? How much can you depend on God to meet your needs? Giving is our our response to a God that we can depend on. Our giving is our response to depending on a God, on our Father God. What do we think that He can do today? Who is your God? Psalms 20 verse 7 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. This morning I'm asking you to remember who your God is and ask yourself this question, How good is my God? And is my God able to meet my needs? Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Joe to to just put put an offering plate up here on on the altar. You know, my question today for you is, how good is your God? Are we depending on God to meet our needs? And how good do you think he is this morning? How good has he been to you? Glory to God. You know, I'm not going to require you to come up and put anything in the, in the plate. This is not a, a pay-to-play organization. You know, that, that's not who God is. He, he loves you whether you give or whether you don't. But, but this body ha- has a need, and, and we've set the middle of, of April to, to meet, you know, what we need to, to have for the disaffiliation process. Uh, you know, and if... if That's all I'm going to say about that.
But how good is your God this morning? Amen. If you're not born again and, and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'll be up here. Come and see me. Come and see Pastor Joe. If, if you need prayer for, for anything, uh, we, we'd be more than happy to, to pray with you.